Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're the HR dashboard company that's helping you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. Let me ask all of you HR and people leaders a question. When's the last time you looked forward to HR reporting? Said no ever HR leader ever. Why? Because we know that for most of you, it's very manual, tedious, and time-consuming. You're pulling messy spreadsheets from all these different systems, trying to get a unified view of your workforce from a data-driven standpoint. But it usually takes way too long, and you're always scratching your head saying there must be a better way. Well, look no further. That's why EmployCycle created your very own HR dashboard with all these pre-built integrations to the most popular HR systems out there, using systems like Bamboo HR, Namely, Zenefits, ADP, Trinet, Paylocity, Greenhouse, 15.5, Lever, Reflective. Too many for me to say without losing breath. If you're using any of those systems, you can simply connect those systems to the dashboard, automatically pull all your data into one place so you, your HR team, and your company can view, share, track, and analyze all your people data and metrics in one place. Want to learn more? Please go to EmployCycle.com. Would love to give you a demo and learn how we can help you make smarter workforce decisions today. But that's enough about me and our company because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Karen Casey. She's the head of people and culture at Canada Pet Food. And today we're going to discuss how to increase employee performance while maintaining an employee centric culture. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Karen, welcome! So excited to be here. Thanks for that welcome. Awesome. So excited to have you here. So, Karen, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? I think I was one of those rare individuals who knew when I was in college, I wanted to go into the world of HR. And I knew I wanted business, but I knew I didn't want finance or accounting or was traditionally considered business way back when. And I wanted to blend that with some form of psychology, human behavior. And at that time, and I'm dating myself, uh, the HR world was known as personnel back in the uh, early 90s. And I ended up creating uh, a major that blended uh, my love of psychology and my love of the business world into HR. Awesome. Thanks for that. You, so you were one of those rare people in the third grade. That when no, when I was called the third grade. <laughs> I would call that after three um, times changing my major in college and going undeclared and then really taking a deep dive into really what I wanted to be when I grew up. Awesome. Well, the HR community is very happy that you're here to bring all your value and wisdom. So today we're talking about how to increase employee performance while maintaining an employee-centric culture. And to make sure that we truly understand what this topic means, I would first like for you to help our audience understand, what do you believe is an employee-centric culture? 
Well, I think first and foremost uh, that we put our employees, which is really any company's greatest asset, at the center of many of our decision making. I mean, we're, we all come to work for a primary reason, and what I mean by that is we come to work for a company. So we can't we can't lose sight of the fact that you know we we come to work and that we have business objectives and that we have a job that we have to do. But we can probably do that job most anywhere. I mean, whether you be accounting, finance, sales, marketing, supply chain, operations, manufacturing, you know, you name the business vertical, we all have opportunities uh, within our respective skill set. You know, where we ended up choosing to place that skill set is what really matters. And that's where we can blend a series of business objectives with being an organization that is built around uh, taking care of our greatest asset, which is our people. Got it. So as you're taking care of your greatest asset, your employees, your workforce, where does the challenge come in where you're trying to drive performance make sure that employees are providing the most value they they possibly can, but at the same time, making sure that you're supporting employees and not burning them out? It's a great question. And obviously, we've, we've been challenged ourselves. I think as many other companies, let's face it, the past year has not been easy, uh, whether it be on our company here at Canada or many many other organizations, big or small, and I speak with my colleagues, it's a similar challenge that we're facing because I think what we've all noticed is that we've migrated from an in-office type of setting to, in many cases, and in many cases, my organization is no different, um, to an at-home platform. And some of that employee engagement has been mired by being online uh, from morning till night. And the day-to-day performance ends up happening typically after hours because your engagement is now coming through a computer screen versus walking down the hall and having a conversation with somebody. And now we're required to, you know, hop on a Teams channel or on a Zoom call or, or a phone call to be able to, to move the proverbial peanut forward. Um, and we're, we've lost the ability to have a quick conversation to drive some decision-making, to, to drive collaboration. So it's slowed down to a certain degree, business and performance, um, because we've, we've had to build these other opportunities for collaboration um, and decision-making. And what that ends up doing is it truncates our work schedule during the day to meetings and then requiring us to do what I like to classify as our day job after hours. And, and that does have a challenge on individuals. That does expand the work day. That does pose for some, some challenges um, to drive performance like we, like we would prefer to. How are you, your people team and company in general, helping your employees navigate the day? And what I mean by that is there's a lot of talk around how to make sure that there's work-life balance, work-life blend. You you take breaks. You're you're not glued to your screen, but at the same time, you're getting the work done while also training managers to make sure that they're not helicopter managers virtually and constant check-ins to make sure people are doing their work just because they're working from home. It seems like there's so many challenges with that. How are you helping employees manage their day and, and helping them give flexibility, but also some support in regards to what that could look like to continue to drive performance? I think we I would break it up into two to three different verticals, one being 
uh, a formal set of systems and processes and tools that we've put in place. Two would be more informal, casual recommendations. And then the third piece would be stating the obvious of how we've handled COVID. Because although I like to say, I don't like to, to blame COVID for a lot of things, but we can't ignore how that has forced us to work in the last 14 months. So if I talk more about the formal uh, component of how we're working to support our employees, uh, let, let's face it, mental health um, has been a big part of being forced to work in a remote setting and people's lack of interaction with people. Uh, so we did really, I would say, three key things to be able to really support individuals on a formal basis. Uh, one was the creation of employee engagement groups, uh, which helped blend not only a diversity, equity, and inclusion component, but also build employee engagement really into one vertical. And we created three, based on surveys and, and employee focus groups, we created three different channels for people to be able to to bring work and, and home together. One is called Cultural Cooking with Canada Kids and Employees, where employees sign up to, to cook for their favorite culture, uh, teach us all a little bit about their culture, and we cook together um, one evening a month on a voluntary basis. Uh, the second vertical or the second uh, employee engagement group we created was Employee Health and Wellbeing, which was really around exercise and fitness. Uh, and then the third piece uh, was working parents. Uh, and within that, uh, a few different channels for people to come together and just talk about the challenges of being a working parent while simultaneously working remote. So that was one formal component that we established. The second piece that we did across the organization uh, is we create, we partnered with an outside group uh, to create a resilience program. They really had nothing to do with work, but it was more along the lines of the, the mental well-being of our employees, which was how do you build resiliency in your day? Uh, and that was actually a three-part series um, with an outside facilitator who brought the entire team together formally uh, during 2020. And then we actually re-upped for it um, in 2021, where we're coming together an additional five times for one hour just as a reminder of how you continue to recharge, and that's the name of the program, it's called Career Recharge, um, of how do you just continue to build resiliency uh, in your day-to-day. -day. And then uh, the third component I would say we did was around the formality of benefits, and we launched uh, a very robust employee assistance program in 2021 to be able to, to support all of our employees, whether they opted for health care through our, our insurance program or not. But we wanted to provide uh, a set of tools and systems that people could rely upon should they need it. So I would say those are really more three of the formal components of how we'd like to say we supported our employees during 2021. Uh, from an informal standpoint, um, we actually most recently, because I think as we turned the calendar year and, you know, we gutted it out through 2020 of saying, hey, we can get through this thing called COVID. And when the, when the calendar year flipped, um, it kind of felt like, you know, December all over again or November all over again. And, um, People's days continue to, to blend into nights that blended into weekends. And, you know, we heard a lot of that. Uh, so most recently, actually, we just instituted three different block out periods 
over the course of the week for which we, there are no meetings, that people can then put their heads down and, and do do their day job during the day, if you will, and, and to escape the screen and to escape um, the, the formal meeting process. So Monday mornings, Wednesday afternoons, and Friday mornings, we have uh, no meetings for which we encourage people to take that time to be able to, to focus on the things that are important uh, components to part of their job. And we, we really encourage folks to be able to do that, to block their calendars. And we also are encouraging people that if they don't have to be formally presenting during a meeting, um, that they, they take that time, that they could take that phone call during a walk, they can get themselves outside, kind of be able to, to refresh and recharge in a different way that doesn't necessarily require them to be on screen all the time. Uh, so we're working hard with our managers. We, we have, you know, launched um, a formal leadership program for our director levels uh, to really work through situational management with their team, understanding themselves first as a leader through leveraging the MBTI and understanding their styles and then understanding the work styles of their employees and helping them be able to, to meet their employees where they're at. Uh, with regards to their um, their journey and and where they are from a, from a developmental standpoint, um, and really really putting more tools in the toolkit of our managers to help them lead in this remote setting. So I would say there is, like I said, there is informal, and then there is the formal side, and then the last piece I would say is is our COVID response, which I do pride myself on for being a very small company. Uh, we were, we went right out of the gate last March, you know, leading with employee health and well-being, whether that be on our manufacturing floor and leveraging social distancing and the use of PPE uh, and the changes and modifications to policy and supporting our manufacturing folks who never um, have, have missed a day at work uh, you know, since March of 2020. They've been going to work with critical business infrastructure and manufacturing pet food through to how we worked with our field sales team and pulling them off of the road. Um, and then with our, our uh, traditional corporate headquarters who we've migrated to um, being able to work from home really on the fly um, in a culture that was traditionally very much a work from office culture and being able to provide the technology and the tools to individuals to help facilitate that migration. Uh, we've also leveraged, you know, at the time we're what's called a, an FFCRA employer. So the first piece of legislation that was that came out as part of the COVID response that um, companies under the the employee threshold of 500 were required to to institute. For which we did. Um, we not only did it, but we supplemented it. There was a, a maximum threshold of compensation. We paid people in full for the first two weeks if they were required to be out for any form of COVID or quarantining or taking care of somebody who was COVID positive, all the way through to the voluntary extension of that through March and again through September of this year. So we're really leading with employee health and well-being at the center of many of our policies and platforms that we have in place. That links to our employee value proposition that we're, that we're building out. We're a company and a, a pet food known as uh, Food Full of Goodness, you know, good for your pets, good for the planet, and good for people, and really building that employee value proposition internally of being an employee in a culture that's good for people. I like that. I like that. And thank you for that comprehensive overview of your strategy. You're doing a lot of great work, and I'm sure your employees are definitely 
feeling the benefits of how hard you and your people team are working. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is around employee performance. So we have a we have a great understanding of how you're supporting your employees, but I would like for our audience to better understand how are you managing and driving employee performance through all of this? We can see how you're clearly supporting the team, but how are you also driving performance so that people are increasing their individual value to the company? Sure. I mean, I think a lot of it starts with really good communication. I joined the company last June, and one of the things that was evident early on is that we did not have a formal mid-year review process. And soon after the commencement of my employment, we, you know, working with my leadership team, uh, instituted a mid-year review process that was really for no other reason but to do a check-in, you know, so people knew where they were at on their performance journey. And even if they didn't have any formal objectives in place at the mid-year process, it was an opportunity to come together and define them, maybe even for the rest of the year. So it was an opportunity to have a more formal-based communication based around some performance objectives of how that linked to their position. And then we repeated a very similar cycle of that at the year-end process where we did a formal review process. We have a more simplistic approach to the performance review process. We have five objectives, uh, and we break them up into the what and the how. So what what are you responsible for? And then how you show up from a behavioral and a competency standpoint. So a total of five objectives. Nobody's going to have really more than that. Uh, We became a little bit more formal in that process as we launched 2021, where we have a set of 10 organizational priorities. Those organizational priorities were then cascaded um, across the organization, and each senior leader who was responsible for a specific business function created their what and their how, so three primary business objectives uh, of what had to be accomplished for the year with quantitative metrics, and then the how component that were then cascaded across the organization for the individuals and their respective teams to then create their objectives and cascade from there. So there's a clear line of sight then. So no matter where you sit in the organization, that you know where your job, your role uh, fits into the overall organization and that every job matters when you're a small company. Um, There isn't a single job that sits out there that's not critical, that's not important. And we all thought it was important for for all of our employees to understand and have a really good line of sight that no matter where you sit, no matter what you do, your work matters. I love that. And then to end this interview in the last 60 seconds or so, for all those HR and people leaders out there listening, thinking, wow, this is great. And I, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out where to start in regards to balancing high performance versus having this employee-centric culture where people feel supported and we're not just treating them like people who just need to work all day, but as actual human beings that have lives, where should a HR or people leader start to figure out how to create this balance? Well, I think, I mean, think big. I mean, you have to have a strategy, but that doesn't mean that strategy, you know, has to, you don't have to boil an ocean. As I always say, you don't have to boil an ocean, but you have to start with a pond. You know, another way to think about it is think globally, act locally. 
Uh, and I, I pride myself on a term, and I think it's probably associated with me across the organization, progress over perfection. You kind of have to stick the stake in the ground somewhere. And that everything that I do, and in, in most cases, many things that I do um, and that my team does is not perfect, but it is incremental progress over where we've been. You know, and I can sit and look ahead and say, oh, dear, we have a lot ahead of us. And it, it's daunting as far as how much is ahead of us and how much we have to accomplish from an HR standpoint organizationally. Similarly, I can look back, and I'm not a fan of, of necessarily looking back, um, but I am a fan of looking back and celebrating successes and small wins. And there is an opportunity to look back and to say, all right, it might not be perfect, uh, but it is a step in the right direction and that we can build, we can fly, and we can fix all at the same time. I love that. Progress over perfection. Always something that I need to remind myself of. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, thank you so much for being on our show, for being super authentic and transparent about all the things you're doing and for reminding us that progress is important and you know, perfection is something that we all strive for, or at least a lot of us strive for. But if you are progressing and moving forward, then you, know, you should stay on that track. So thank you so much for being on the show. And we really appreciate everything that you shared today. Woo! Go, Karen! Thank you so much for your time. No worries. And so, Karen, where can people find you and Canada Pet Food online? So you can find us at Canada.com. Uh, so you can uh, check out how we are a company full of goodness and we're a food full of goodness. And as I said, good for your pets, good for people, good for the planet. Uh, and then you can also find our food at any local independent pet food store or at the national channels of PetSmart and Petco or Amazon or Chewy. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact information, especially for all you dog lovers out there. And cat lovers. We just have a brand new cat line that we just launched as well. Oh, look at that. Breaking news on the Employee Cycle Podcast. Canada now sells cat food. That's right. We always have, but we just launched a new line. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely include that as well for all of you cat lovers out there as well. So, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Karen and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or leave a small note just to show that you care and that we're providing great content. Always good to hear. Also, if this is your very first time listening to the Employee Cycle Podcast and now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast players. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, Please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.